0: As you guys know, we're normally in a book of the Bible and we're going verse by verse. We have two times a year that we step out of that. One we just went through, which is Advent. Those four weeks leading up to Christmas, we talk about the stories of Jesus' birth and we celebrate that and we do all that we just went through in Advent. And now, we usually start off on a series for the first four weeks. We've done this for years and years and years, and it's basically all about Christian basics. Things that we, you and me, need to be doing to be part of the church, to make the church the kind of place it is today and the kind of church that it will be for the future. And so today we're going to be talking about big-hearted generosity. And you go, well, we just, just had it. We just had it. It's right there. Like we just demonstrated big-hearted generosity. And we're going to talk about that because I think I want to make sure that we understand that as we move forward. Um, so I want to introduce right now, just kind of turning the page, I want to introduce the theme for 2022, and that is the fullness of God This theme comes out of Ephesians chapter three, and it is a prayer that Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus and all the churches that would follow afterwards. And we'll spend the next four weeks looking at that. And then at the end of that, we'll jump back into the book of Romans with a new series, and we'll continue in Romans all the way till fall kickoff, okay? And then we'll do something a little bit different in fall kickoff. So as we're running through all of this right now, let's just take a look at something like the word, the the phrase, the fullness of God. In that phrase, the word fullness means all kinds of different things in the Bible, right? It's just, just different things in different contexts, right? And so we're going to pull out some of those things that it means within the scriptures, and these are things that we will be looking at for the rest of the year. We've gone through a really, really hard season with COVID, and, and honestly, it seems like the room is packed right now, but we still have tons of people that are out right now with COVID. They're, just, they're afraid, they're worried, whatever, whatever's going on. They just, they've got people who are vulnerable, whatever's going on. But we've been through this thing over and over and over again, and many of us are just weary of it. We're tired of it. We want to move on. I totally get all of that. So this year, we're going to spend time looking at a series of words that will help us grow as we become more like Jesus, have the fullness of God in our life. So here are some of those words, right? What does it mean for us to walk in the fullness of God? It means connectedness. It means connectedness. We are connected to one another. It means relationships, abundance, Honesty, overflowing, virtue, prosperity, well-being, blessing, growth, wholeness, trust, beauty. And it means to be satisfied. So to have a life that embodies these things, the fullness of God, to have a life that embodies these things, we have to have the right focus in our life. And so today we're going to be looking at big-hearted generosity, and I'll just begin with my premise, and that's this. If you can't figure out money in your life, you won't figure out a lot in your life. Money is either a blessing or a burden in your life. Right now, it's either a blessing or it's a burden in your life. And so we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about that, because It has a whole lot. Jesus talked more about money in the New Testament than he did uh, heaven or hell put together, okay? Uh, Salvation or or hell together. And so let's take a look at Ephesians chapter three. Paul's teaching the Ephesian church um, about the nature of God himself, which has everything to do with why we are generous people. Ephesians chapter three, verse 16, it'll be up on the screen. It starts like this. I pray that out of the father's glorious riches, He may strengthen you, so he's praying for, he's writing these words, praying for the church in Ephesus and for us. I pray that out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Okay. So the first thing I want you to note is this entire prayer is based around this one word, power. It's talked about in five verses in three different times, right? This word power. Paul wants the church to be powerful, and he wants the people of the church to be powerful. I pray that out of the Father's glorious riches, he will strengthen you, not with our own strength, strength that comes from us, not because you're pretty, not because you're strong, not because you're smart, not because you're educated, not because you have Uh, charisma, not because you have talents, but you are strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in the deepest parts of who you are in your inner being. So in other words, he wants us to have a kind of strength that is not changeable, that is not influenced by our circumstances. And you know what circumstantial strength looks like, right? It's like when you get the right amount of money in the bank, and you're like, I feel good. I feel like I'm all right now. It's, you know, it's okay. I'm insulated. I'm okay. Or you're like, I finally have the relationship I was looking for for so long. Now I feel good. Everything's good. But we don't really realize that those things can come and go. And when they come and go and place our trust in them, so does our hope and so does our security. So circumstantial strength is not what Paul's praying for for us. He's praying for biblical strength that comes from the Holy Spirit in the deepest parts of who we are. Verse 17, for what purpose? Why does he want us to be strong? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I love that it takes a strong person, to have Christ dwelling in their heart by faith. It takes a strong person to continue to endure in their, in their faith. It takes a strong person to endure a pandemic and still point their life to Jesus. It takes a strong person to go through bankruptcy and still point their life at Jesus. It takes a strong person to go through a divorce and still point their life to Jesus. Strength is a necessary prerequisite for us to continue in Christ. So that you may be rooted and established in love, that you may have power. Second time he talks about it. You may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's the church. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Isn't it true that you really can't know how wide and deep and, 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 and full the love of Jesus Christ is unless you are with the Lord's holy people? unless you have gathered with his church, unless you are spending time with his people, you'll never know the depth of the love of Jesus for you. The community of Jesus, the community of the church, the faith of the church is not yours, it's ours. And sometimes it takes a brother or a sister to speak into a circumstance into your life so that you can know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19, and to know that his love surpasses knowledge, it goes beyond what we can define and how we can see it that you may be filled, here it is, to the measure of the fullness of God. In other words, that you will be so loving and so filled with God that everything on the inside of you, even the most inner part of who you are, the deepest part of who you are, is filled with the fullness of God. This word fullness is just so rich. It's like a container that contains all of these other things, connectedness, beauty, and love, and peace, and wholeness, and well-being. All of these things. God's saying, I want to put these things inside of you, and this is what the fullness of God looks like. You will possess the same things that I possess. So today, we're talking about uh, and focusing in on verse 16, just the first verse of this. I just gave you an overview of the next four weeks. We're going to look at these things in greater depth over the next four weeks. Verse 16, we're going to focus in on right now. So let's read it again. I promise, your children are having fun right now, they're not being hurt. It is, if you're online right now, we have lots of screaming children behind us that we can hear in the sanctuary. But yes, they're having a great time right now. So let's take a look at verse 16. (laughs) I pray that out of his, the father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. The first thing I want you to see is this phrase, glorious riches has nothing to do with money. Glorious riches has nothing to do. It has to do with his extravagant nature, the the extravagant nature of his gifts to you. Sometimes it can include money, but it can be his grace, his mercy, his strength, his goodness, his holiness, his righteousness, his love, his purity, whatever it is. As God is building these things into your life, he doesn't do it from a bank account that's almost bankrupt. He does it out of the abundant glorious riches in which he himself possesses. So you, you don't need to realize, you just realize this, you don't need to walk around feeling like there's always a limit to how much grace God will give you or mercy or joy or peace. That's just broken thinking. It is out of his glorious riches to do you a super of what he possesses that he gives to us. And out of the superabundance of what he possesses to give to us, he gave us the greatest gift of Jesus Christ. I mean, I want you to imagine his perspective. He's God, he knows all things. He knows how it's gonna turn out. And yet he willingly sent his son, Jesus, into the world to be brutalized by us, frankly, to be spit upon and bruised and a a crown of thorns placed upon him, beaten and bruised, as the Bible says, for our iniquities, our sins, to die a suffocation on the cross. I mean, Jesus suffered tremendously, had the father turn his face away from Jesus. All of this suffering, all this pain, God knew ahead of time, Jesus would have to endure so you and I could be restored to him. And he willingly did it. He was so extravagant in the way that he loved us. He's never, ever held anything back from you. Never. The only things that he's held back from you are things that will harm you or hurt you in the long run. And so let's, let's take a look at it. God is not cheap, and he's never held back any good gifts from us. So, so just like the other day, I was going through Epcot. We were, it was uh, my, my two boys were working, or they were out having fun doing something like that. We weren't available. So it was me, my wife, and my daughter, uh, which is always a joyful time for me. And we were in Epcot we're just kind of walking around, and we're grabbing some dinner. It was fun. And, and uh, my, my daughter went by the Canadian thing. And she's right on that verge of being a uh, kid, young adult, you know, young woman. And so she came past the uh, Canada Pavilion, and they have this big, giant teddy bear out there. And uh, she says, Daddy, I want that, by the way, she only calls me Daddy when she wants something, okay? <laughs> she was six years old, and I overheard her talking to her mom. She goes, Mom, she goes, Mom. I totally know how to manipulate Dad, and uh, and I was like I was like oh okay, and the thing is I knew it, and she could still do it, and uh, I don't. So she says, Daddy, I want the bear, and I was like, No, nah, you know, okay, it's forty dollars. I mean, it's just it's, I don't want. To, no, and we just kept on walking, and so she waited, and because the exit was right where we were headed. Past it again, and she waited. She goes, Daddy, I just I don't know. I just really want that bear, and she just she gets up there and bats her eyes at me, and I'm like dang it. So, so I just, I went up, I bought the bear. You, you know what? And when I did it, honestly, I was filled with joy to do it. Why? Because that's what, that's, I love giving to her. I love the fact that she thinks that she can manipulate me. I love the fact that she can manipulate me. I just, I, I, just, I just, I love it. Why? Because I want to give her everything that she possibly could have and want. Everything that's good for her and not something that would harm her. And then that moment, it was my great gift or my great love that was able to do that. And I think that's the heart of the Father towards you all the time. I mean, think about that. That's when God is able to give to us good gifts. I mean, the Bible says, hey, look, you who are wicked know how to give good gifts. How much more does my heavenly Father know how to give gifts? He absolutely wants to do that. He will withhold everything from you that will harm you, but nothing that will bring great joy to his name and to you. I don't know where it comes from, but I found this quote up on the, on the screen. I couldn't trace it back, but I agreed with it. Believers in Christ need fresh supplies of strength. We're always needing to be strengthened all the time. Is that not true? I mean, sometimes you'll come and you'll hear a message on Sunday, and you'll wake up, oh dear God, it's Monday. You know, and, and, and we just need that constant like reminder, hey, it's gonna be okay. Believers in Christ need fresh supplies of strength to enable them to exercise grace, to perform duties, to resist Satan and his temptations, amen. To oppose their corruptions, that's our own corruptions and to bear the cross and undergo afflictions cheerfully. And to hold on and hold out to the very end, this is a blessing that comes from God. And this is the blessing that Paul is praying over the church right now. He's like, I want you guys to realize the Father's extravagant love for you and his desire to strengthen you and make you the person that he wants you to be is because he's never held back anything good from you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to demonstrate big-hearted generosity, just like he has demonstrated big-hearted generosity to you. So in 1 Timothy... Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And Timothy is new to leading the church. And, and apparently in the scriptures, somebody had discouraged him. Like, hey man, you can't, you can't teach because you're too young. And he said, no, no, don't worry about that. It's the Holy Spirit inside you. Sand the flame inside of you. But don't worry about it. Don't listen to those guys. And he said, listen, I need to teach you how to talk to people about money. And this is what he did. He said this, hey Timothy... As for the rich in this present age, now, you go, oh, yes, yeah, rich people are the worst, right? But no, 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 hold on, hold on. You need to understand what's happening in the first century, right? Here, here, here's what's happening in the first century. Jesus is praying prayers like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Why is he saying give us this day our daily bread? Well, most of us in the room have never had to worry about our daily bread. We just have a store of wealth. We have enough. We have enough to get us past the next week or maybe the next week, you know, or whatever, we have a lot more, who knows, right? But but they're praying, give us this day our daily bread because that's all they had was just, to, today I need to solve the problem of whether or not I'm gonna be able to eat. And so if you go home and you have stuff in the refrigerator or if you're going to a restaurant after this, or if you go into your closet and you have more than one outfit, you are the rich that he's talking about here. And Paul tells Timothy, I want you to speak really, like in the original language here, I want you to speak really hard to these people. So he's talking to all of us. As for the rich in this present age, Timothy, charge them. Now the word charge here is one translation in other scriptures that you might have. it actually says, command them. And I prefer that translation. As for the rich in this present age, Timothy, command your church, the prideful inside, the, or the, the rich inside your church, not to be haughty or prideful, right? And the reason why we can, we can tend to be prideful and it doesn't even look like pridefulness, like you're puffing out and saying, I'm so great. But we can actually avoid the suffering of other people or even our own suffering or things that we need to deal with because we can just go to the spa or we can just go to the next thing or we can just, we can just add something. We can ha- t- go to the next movie or go out to eat or do something like that. And he's like, listen, let's make sure, watch this, watch this, let's make sure that we don't walk around with pride and here's how he defines it, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. So here, he's like very forceful with them, and then he turns very pastoral, very fatherly here. Don't let them set their hopes on the certainty of riches. In 1929, stock market crashed, and stockbroker after stockbroker after stockbroker, and person after person after person in our country committed suicide over and over and over again. It was a mass epidemic. And you think, well, that was a long time ago. The generation a long time ago was really broken. In 2003, when the stock market declined, like 40%... There were numerous people that were involved in specific sectors of the stock market that crashed even further. And many of those people were literally in New York City jumping out of the buildings. There was a French financier who had invested all of his uh, family's money in, in all of his friends' money. And so he was bearing the weight of all of his family and all his friends that seemed to go bankrupt and he took his life. And it was awful. But it was because of what Paul's teaching right here. He's saying, listen... Be, tro- be hard with them here. Be soft with them here. Because they need to hear. They need to know that they can't do this. But the heart behind it is, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches because you don't know when it will go away. And a lot of times it's out of your control. I mean, there were people just, just in 2003, when all of this stuff, 2008, I'm sorry, I keep saying three. Two 2008, when that happened, all of this stuff, all of this stuff, people were losing their lives for. That French financier, within one year, all of his stuff was back up. Took his life for absolutely no reason other than, other than he in some way believed that he was certain about his future and he placed it all on his riches. And when it went away, all of his sense of self went away. So don't put your hope in your money. Just the, and sometimes it has nothing to do with whether you're doing something good or bad. I've been, di- I've been washing a lot of dishes for the last month. Do you know Why? About a month ago, my wife was loading up the dishwasher, and it just went, you know, and it, it, I mean, when it went bad, it went bad. Like, it was like, I'm not coming back, you know, and it uh, spilled water all over the kitchen. It was just, it was a mess. And, uh, and so we went looking for washers, which honestly is a lot like looking for a car right now because of all this stuff and, you know, out there, it's really expensive. So we went to Lowe's, and they're like, hey, we're going to take advantage of you. And uh, I was like, excellent, excellent. And so they're like, uh, there's this, only this one that we can get within the next month, and it's $1,000. And and I'm a saver. I'm really cheap. I like to save. I like to invest. I'm I'm a saver. And so that just like, it just went out. Why? I had my, like, all right, today, this month, I'm gonna save this much. And then all of a sudden, it went away. And it had nothing to do with whether or not I was doing right or wrong. It just is, money is, wealth is, riches are uncertain. He says, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but instead put it on God, who, again, richly, riches, 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 richly, who God, who richly provides us with how much? Everything. To do what? To enjoy. That's the other side of the equation that some of you like, need to get right in your head about money. Um, when you, some of you feel really guilty about how much money you spent on Christmas for your family, right? It happens every year. People come to me and they're, Pastor Mike, we were way too much. You know. And, and I'm just like, you don't need to confess. Like, like, that's, that's not a thing. The Bible gives us everything we have, and he does so so that we may enjoy it. Part of what God has given to you is specifically so that you'll just have fun with it. You're supposed to enjoy it, that's biblical. You're not supposed to give the church all your money, just 10% of it. That's not a joke. That's not a, a, like, like that's not a joke. Like, that's not a joke, you guys. You're like, oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, But but, but, then I'll tell you why it's not a joke. All right, God richly provides us with everything and he wants you legitimately to enjoy what he has provided for you. And I know sometimes you go, no, 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 huh, no. I see where you're going with this pastor. No, I do, I provide for me. You know why? Because I work harder than everybody else around me. I built a business. My friends didn't. I live in a better neighborhood because they didn't. I have more because they didn't. I went to greater education and got these specializations. I make more money than those guys because I worked harder. I stayed at the office longer than everybody else did. That's why I have more, not because God gave it to me. Brother, listen, I just need you to understand, that's very superficial thinking. Here's the reason why. All you're doing is looking at the effect, not the cause. The cause is that God gave you a brain that allowed you to become a physician, a lawyer, an engineer, a stockbroker, an analyst, or whatever it is that you do. God gave you that brain. He gave you the capacity for math. Your mom didn't drop you on the head when you were two. That was God, too, right? All right? (laughs) And so, so, so you have all of these abilities and these talents because God gave you. And the drive that you have to stay later than everyone else and do more than everyone else, the strength that you have, that comes from God too. And that can be taken away in a second. God is the one who orchestrates the circumstances of our life and allows us to build wealth and to have what we have. He's the one. And he provides us richly with it. He doesn't hold back. He's not chinchy. Chinchy, he's not stealing from you. He's not hiding anything from you. His prescription is to simply just like go to the next one. To do good with it, to be a person who does good works with it, to be generous with it, and to share with it. So many of you know if you've been around here a long time that I go to the same restaurants over and over and over again because I want to be around people who are not Christians and I want to be able to have conversations with them. Well, I have this one person in my life, and she is wonderful. My wife knows her very well. She's an older woman, and uh, she just is, I, you know, I'm trying to be gentle, but she's just strange. She's just, she's, she's weird, right? And, and normally, she's not a person I'm like, ah, you know, I'm gonna be hanging out with this person, right? And, uh, and, and partly because she's very much conspiratorial. And when she found out I was a, a, a pastor, she takes this religious conspiracy with this political conspiracy and she puts them together and weaves these really intricate, wonderful tales. And, uh, and, and she sits there and tells me about them. And I'm just like, and she's like, what do you think? And, I'm, and, and, and honestly, and here's, here's where it really like it gets more serious. She's broken up about it. Like, like it's, it's, re- it's wreaking havoc on her soul. Like she's, quitting jobs, she's moving away from friends and family because of it. I mean, it's wrecking cuz truth matters, right? And it's really just like wrecking her on the inside right now. And 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 one of the things that God taught me a long time ago, he's like, "I want you to be overly generous to people that you don't particularly love." Now, that means if I give you something, it doesn't mean I don't love you, all right? But 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 he, but he said, "I want you I want you to be like generous with every, and, and especially with those who don't have what you have. And she's she's a bartender. I mean, I see her at the bartender. I mean, that's how I know she's a bartender. And uh, and, <laughs> and and uh, and every time that I get a sandwich from her or something, you know, I I um, I get sandwiches from her. Don't judge me. <laughs> I'll change it from bartender to waiter. Okay, is that helpful? But um. Whenever I get a sandwich or food from her or something like that, I, like, tip 50%. And they're always, like, not just her, but several of them and, and, and several of the people that are there at, at the staff. And, and, I, and I do that uh, because I just have so much. No, no, because, like, I believe that where I put my money, that's where my heart follows. The Bible teaches us that, that where your money is, that's where your heart is. And so so if if that's where your heart is, I can take my money and put it somewhere else, and that's where my heart's going to go, too. Have you ever noticed, like, like when you buy something, like a new car, you're like, oh, look at all the same cars that are just like mine. Why? Because your heart went there. Because your money went there. Have you noticed when you you, you bought a stock or something like that, you invested in something, you're constantly checking it or looking at it? Oh, I love this stock. Never before did you look at it before. But just now, because you put your money there, that's where your heart went. That's where your love went. And so I'm able to, like, love her really, really well, and, 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 and it changes my perspective. I'm willing to sit there and listen to some craziness for a while to try to teach little bits of hope to her about Jesus. And I think a big piece of that is just because I'm giving to her and I'm generous to her. I sacrifice for what I want, for what she needs. And she needs Jesus, but she also needs a big tip to be able to have a heart that's open for it. Verse 16 says this, I pray that out of his, the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit. You see, our strength is rooted and coming from God himself. It's not circumstantial strength. It's strength that comes from God himself. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says it this way, And it's a good thing to receive wealth from God, and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Take a look at this. It's a good thing to receive wealth from God. Is money bad? No, No, it's not. It's just what you do with it like anything else. Is chocolate cake good or bad? (laughs) It's neither one, okay? It's neither one. Chocolate cake's not good or bad, but what you do with it is good or bad, right? If you have a piece, you're golden. If you eat the entire cake, you're diabetic, right? (laughs) So that's not helpful, Same thing with money, right? It's a good thing to receive wealth from God. Watch this. Indeed, it's a gift from God. This is a gift from God. To do what? It's a gift from God. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. Let me tell you why money becomes a burden and not a blessing to a lot of people. Because we're Americans, because we grew up this way. This is what we do. And I'm I'm like this way too. And there's righteous ways of being this way and unrighteous ways of being this way. Here's what it is. I will never be satisfied as a pastor until every single person in Central Florida, man, woman, and child, has had an opportunity to hear the gospel and make a decision for themselves. I'm never gonna, like, people are like, when are you gonna stop? I'm like, never. Not, I mean, when I'm dead, I'll stop, but, 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 and even then, I'll be praying for you, okay? Um, but we're always reaching for something more than what we have right now. And so there's a way of doing that that's righteous, and there's a way of doing that that's unrighteous. The unrighteous way is like, we always have to have more. We look at someone else and we go, I need more. He got a car, I get a car. They moved to the neighborhood, I'm gonna move to They bought a country club. Bought a country club. They, they, they. Well, maybe. Um, but so, you need to give more if you did. Um, so, so, uh, so. But, but you know what I'm saying. Somebody has something more, and as a result, we want more, and that's kind of this unrighteous. So, what it does to us is it it stops us from enjoying our work because it's just about the outcome of how much money we can generate, and we don't accept our lot in life. You know, what's better sometimes is to go. I'm going to reach for something, but I'm also going to enjoy where I am right now. God's giving me blessing right now. The days of today are not throwaway for the promise of tomorrow. And so we have this opportunity to be able to say, you know what, Lord, thank you for this moment. I'm gonna be present in it. I'm gonna show up in it. I'm gonna trust you in it. I'm gonna do what you want me to do with it. I'm still gonna reach for the future. I'm gonna build the business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a marriage, I'm gonna build a life, we're gonna have kids, we're gonna do all this stuff, we're gonna reach for things. But I'm not gonna reach so hard that it destroys my present. Some of us just need to take a step back and go, you know what? Where I am right now is my lot in life. And it's beautiful. It's good, even with all of its troubles, because all of us have troubles. So here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. There's a case study in the book of Proverbs on two different types of people and the outcomes of their life. Verse 24 says this, one person gives freely, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Well, Pastor Mike, I thought you said that that's not how the Bible works. Like, you said, like, when it comes to giving, if you give $1,000, you're down $1,000, right? That seems to say that, no, no, it's the other way around. Like, if you give more money, that you're gonna get more money. No, that's not what this is saying. It's slightly saying that, it's saying something different, though. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Why do they gain more when they give freely? When people are not worried about holding on to everything they have, when you don't walk around with a poverty mindset and a privation mindset, like, oh my gosh, everything's about to fall apart on me, when you don't walk around like that, you're willing to let it go. And when you let something go, and this is what this is, the person who is faithful with little is given much in the Bible. And that's true across the board. That's true in your finances. That's true in your spiritual life. It's true in your relationships, right? If, you're, if you are one who has little and you're faithful with it, you'll be given much. But another withholds unduly. The word unduly there in the original language, it means you have the capacity to solve the problem. You choose not to, right? So when you have the capacity to solve the problem, but you choose not to, that person comes to poverty. What do they mean by that? It means that like when you hold on to all your stuff and you're like, no, 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 man, this is my stuff. I own it all your whole life becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. It begins to become just about holding on to what you have and not trusting God with everything you have. And a person like that will come to financial poverty eventually, but they'll also come to spiritual poverty as well but a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That means as you invest in the life of people who don't have what you have and you refresh them, you are good to them. I just heard an example of this. I was talking, I was hanging out in the children's ministry right before the service and our, our assistant director of, of kids ministry came up and she said, man, I loved your sermon from last night. She said, somebody came this morning with a thousand dollar check and gave it to me and said, give this to somebody in the church that needs it. That's exactly what we're talking about. Whoever refreshes others is refreshed. Do you know how refreshing it is to give? How many of you that gave to the offering regret your giving? I mean, you wouldn't say it, of course, but you're like, I do. Um, No, But, but, but most of us do not. None of us do. Like why? Because it's going to good things. And when we give to others, we will be refreshed. We're refreshed in our hearts and we're renewed. And that opens us to opportunities that we would not see if we were just holding on to our stuff being super greedy. And this is what it looks like. Well, here's a question that we have. Do we have an ownership mindset of our stuff or a stewardship mindset of our stuff? An ownership mindset of the stuff is the person right now in the room. If you're this person right now, you're sitting there seething. You're like, man, I knew it. This church is too good to be true. They're talking about money. They're trying to get mine. We are. Yeah. (laughs) But, but here's the reason, because you, to be the right person that you need to be, need to be a generous person, because if you claim to be a Christian, we have a generous God, and just like he's holy and we're to be holy, just like he's loving and we're supposed to be loving, he's generous and we're supposed to be generous. That's not some weird category. It's weird in your head because you're twisted up. Do you know who gets really upset whenever I teach on adultery? Adulterers, right? They're like, I don't like that right? I get it. I I totally, I totally get it. I totally get it. But sometimes we get twisted up on on the inside. So do, but here's the reason why. You have an ownership uh, mindset. Ownership basically says this, don't touch my stuff. This is my stuff. I worked hard for my stuff. I worked better than everybody else. I'm smarter. I went to more education. I did my thing. This is my stuff. Don't touch it. Don't come after me for it. You have no claim on it. A stewardship mindset is different. Stewardship is temporary management of something that someone else owns. Everything I own is God's. Everything I own is God's. This church, which I don't own, but I I manage right now, I steward right now, is God's. All the money I have in my bank account is God's. My possessions, God's. My children, God's. My wife, God's. All of it is his. His. And sometimes he says, hey, Mike, I want you to take your hands off of it. I'll give you a few examples. These are just things that happen over the time. And I've always been a giver, always have. Before I, was a, before I was a pastor, before I was in the church, Kelly and I tied their whole lives. It's just never been a hard thing for us to make that decision. And I know for some of you, it absolutely is. But no, it's because you're twisted up on the inside right now. Okay? So early on in our marriage, we, we got married, and I, I had a diamond that uh, I gave Kelly, and uh, just, like, just like a one-carat kind of diamond uh, came through the family. And, uh, and uh, I gave it to her. She loved it. It was great. Five years later, there was a guy in our life, and he was trying to figure out, like, how, how, do, I, how do I ask this woman to marry me? She's so poor. And we got in the car afterwards. We both looked at each other and knew exactly what we were thinking. And I said, uh, I said uh, man, I think we're supposed to give your, your ring to them. And that's a scary thing for a guy to say to a woman, right, about her diamond ring. And, uh, and she goes, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. We gave it away. Without a thought. Why? Because the Lord told us to. I had this car when I was a kid, a 280ZX. I held it into my 20s. And, uh, and, and this guy in the church was like, dude, I love that car so much. I always wanted to have one of those. I'd driven it for a while. And I was like, man, it is everything you think it is. It's great. It's an old, awesome 1980s car. And he, and he was like, man, I wish I could get one of those. And the Lord said, give it to him. I was like, here you go, It blew his mind. Two years ago, a year ago, uh, I had a Harley and uh, I love motorcycles, rid motorcycles my entire life. I mean, can you see the beard? <laughs> and uh, one day, one of the guys that I'm close to said, man, I just, I'd love to ride with you sometime. I just don't have a bike. And I was like, ah, Lord said, give it to him right there and just brought it in and gave it to him, blew his mind. I don't think there's anything in my life where God would say, give it to him," you know? And that includes things that are more serious than money. You know, I think about it all the time with my kids when the Lord says, hey, because I got big plans for my kids to stay local and show me lots of grandkids. And uh, if the Lord comes along and says, hey, I'm taking your daughter across the country or across the world. She's his, not mine. I'm temporary manager over her life and my stuff. You are temporary managers of everything that you have in your life. Here's the verse that we end on. Psalm 24:1. the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, it's God's. The Bible tells us that God makes claim on everything inside the universe that we have. And so the question is, will you walk around with a greedy ownership mindset? Because that will make you poor, or a mindset of a steward, one who has been trusted with a lot, who is faithful with a little, will be given much over the time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for all that you have given to us, starting with Jesus. He is the greatest gift that you could have possibly ever given to us. You opened eternal life to us when you didn't have to. You have loved us in the moments of our sin and given us grace when you didn't have to. It's always been extravagance after extravagance after extravagance. It's never been chintzy. It's never been cheap. You've never held back on us. You've given us the absolute best, God, and all that you ask from us is just so little. And so, Father, we ask right now that you'd help us to be stewards in 2022 of the gifts that you've placed inside our lives, the money that you've given to us, our families, our relationships, and our friends. May we leverage them for your kingdom and not just for our glory, but for the good of the kingdom, the church, and the world. It's in your name we pray, amen.